Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another wonderful and exciting episode of the Anthology of Horror. I am your host and narrator, Springheeled Jack. Uh, Springheeled jerk to some of you, I'm sure. Uh, sorry for taking some time off again. Shit happens, and that's all I have to say about that. Today we're going to get started with more scary stories from the internet. Today from the Let's Not Ever Meet section of Reddit, which I do thoroughly enjoy. Uh, I haven't read any of them beforehand. And I look forward to having my honest and skeptical reaction with you people on today's show. A few brief disclaimers for those of you that don't know. Sometimes I will use advertisements from the game Grand Theft Auto that I did not write, I did not produce, and I did not create. I also do not stand to gain by using any of them. I just find them amusing. That's why they're included. Also, this show is not for everybody, so if you're easily offended, go fuck yourself and turn the show off now. Spare me the negative reviews. Ye have been warned. At Bravado, we don't just make cars. We make America. Farms, fields, football, and getting together with some old friends. It's a diner where the waitress knows your name and gives you a hand job. It's a parade down Main Street with children cheering as their parents' jobs get outsourced overseas to be done by illiterate kids. It's a slow-motion shot of your kids running happy on a beach, ignoring the dead mammals and stricken seabirds washing up from the latest oil spill. Our fires burn bright, especially when you're breaking apart furniture and burning it in a barrel to keep warm while your wife turns tricks to buy food. We know America is hurting. We're in this together, which is why we want you to tell your congressman to approve our newest bailout. Bravado. United we stand. Together we fall. I used to enjoy lighting up a bowl of black tar heroin at work, but with today's climate, you can't smoke anywhere. That's why I got the Electrotope electronic pipe. You hear that? It sounds like I'm freebasing smoking a pipe, but it's electronic. Looks like a bass pipe, feels like one, tastes like one, and most of all, it feels real. That's because the real chemicals you enjoy are being delivered by harmless water vapor. It uses highly sophisticated micro-automization technology to make the consuming of hard drugs healthy, discreet, and pleasurable. And it's completely safe. Pick from many different cartridges and flavors. Peanut butter-flavored meth, cheesecake cocaine, bubblegum-flavored heroin, just to name a few. Finally, there's a safe and discreet way of blazing a bowl. Visit electrotokesystem.com today. All right, as promised, let's get started with stories from Reddit. This first one's called The Banshee Lady. When my friend and I met the woman we now refer to as the Banshee, it was at about 10 at night. We were walking back from a milk tea place, and we were maybe at mile five of a six-mile total round trip. We were almost home. We were walking on a long stretch of sidewalk next to a wide road that's busy during the day but nearly empty at night. A little background, my hiking buddy and I sometimes go for long walks through town at night when we can't get out on the trails during the day. It's dark, but our route goes through a fairly safe blend of residential and shopping areas. Usually, we head to some sort of a late night restaurant or a food truck. We walk, stop for food, and then head back. We wear glowing douche vests, battery-powered, and reflective shit to make sure traffic sees us because we walk in the middle of the road in my town. Ugh. We've had some too-close encounters with distracted drivers in the past, and we try to avoid it. 
We've also had a few encounters with strange people, and nothing wards them off like wearing glowing, colorful vests in the middle of the night. She didn't start making strange noises at first. It was a long stretch of straight sidewalk, and we had seen her coming for a long time before she started that. No one else was out walking the road at this hour, but goddammit, we fucking were. There were plenty of streetlights, and she'd appear under the lights and then disappear in some shadow of bushes and trees and reappear under more lights. We were glowing like Chernobyl teenagers in our vests in addition to the streetlights, so she had to have seen us coming too. I figured the bitch worked at one of the shops or restaurants nearby and was getting done with closing up. I figured she was just trying to get home, just like we were, because they don't make homeless people in my town, goddammit. We run them out. Until she started making these random-ass noises. <laughs> the first sound was like an odd hacking noise. I can already tell you what the problem is. <laughs> like she was attempting to clear her throat as noisily as possible, but this was just a warm-up. The sound changed to something like a cross between a crow cawing and a small dog's bark. Rendering it in text is hard, but the closest thing might be gra gra. <laughs> so we kept walking towards her, watching and listening, thinking perhaps she had some sort of a disability or maybe some other issue. She looked decently dressed and was walking steadily and deliberately, not like somebody on drugs or so we would assume. <sighs> oh my god, okay. If not for her noises, she seemed completely normal. She then made this loud but low-pitched groaning sound, something like, Get out of my way, bitch. It had us briefly making zombie movie references, joking a bit, but we speculated if she was maybe talking to somebody on headphones or making an attempt to sing something, but it got weirder as she added some higher-pitched screechy notes. Something like an angry cockatrice might make, like, Kyah! <laughs> At this point, she's less than two blocks away, and she's rotating through this medley of bizarre sounds with short pauses of silence in between. She looked like somebody's cute little grandma. She didn't look like you'd expect to see her making those sounds, walking the streets at night. She was wearing an old-fashioned thick shirt, like a Quaker? Like a fucking Amish person? A cardigan, a clunky pair of looking shoes, carrying a single cloth shopping bag. Her hair is a short, curly, old lady perm. She looked adorable. She sounds insane. <laughs> She's getting closer and the bizarre noises are getting more and more unsettling. And I realize I can't see what she's clutching in her other hand. The one that doesn't have the shopping bag. She looks harmless. But God damn it, the sounds are too wired. <laughs> my buddy looked at me and said, Time to cross, echoing my own thoughts. We didn't want a confrontation with this old bitch. I nodded. But just before we step out into the road, the lady seemed to have the same idea, and she suddenly veered off the sidewalk and walked into the road, making a steady diagonal line towards the other side. There was no traffic on the road at this point, so I wasn't worried. I relaxed a bit, continuing on. I figured she was just avoiding us, just like we were trying to avoid that crack whore. But just as we started to pass her by, she suddenly screamed and rushed at us from the middle of the road. Her mouth was wide open, and she charged at us, just shrieking. She stepped, or we quickly stepped apart, and her abrupt rush took her right between us, just shriek-wailing that horrible sound. It sounded like it would hurt her throat. Banshee-like is the only word I have for it. We were several feet apart, both braced for her to come back and do something, but instead she veered again and went down the sidewalk the way she'd originally been going. 
and she walked away. She kept looking back at us and keeping up short bursts of shrieking banshee noises, stopping to take breaths. As she got further away from us, she started caw-barking at us again. We stood there for a while, just silently watching until she was a good long ways off down the sidewalk with her very strange crow barks fading into the distance. I still have no idea what was wrong with her. Did our lights somehow trigger an episode? I hope she's okay. She seemed to know where she was going, but Banshee Lady, let us not ever meet again. Now I'm just going to say this. Addiction is a terrible life, and if you see somebody struggling, try to find them help. Because that's what that sounds like to me. Old ladies sometimes smoke the shit pipe too, and uh, I imagine it, it probably produces sounds very similar to that in the after effects of burning said shit pipe. Poor bitch. <sighs> well, that's sad. Although, uh, you can tell they're in a really fucking nice neighborhood that doesn't get many homeless people. God, everyone that comes into my work after fucking midnight acts like that, and that's normal. <laughs> okay, this one's called The Birthday Mob. <laughs> I just wanted to wish you guys a happy birthday, okay? Uh, I've had a couple frightening occurrences throughout my life, but none that I've ever rivaled the distressing nature of one particular night during my senior year of high school. I had been coping through the latest in a series of breakups, but you didn't do it right, bruh. You do do it once, then you don't have to break up in, in a series. What is this, the World Series of being a pussy? <sighs> and was searching for any reason I could find to leave my angst dungeon of a home off. It's you live with your fucking parents, dude. You're a high school kid. It's okay. It's not a home office, though. It's your fucking bedroom, where I spent countless hours dwelling on the end of the relationship. Jesus Christ, you need to get out more. My friend Mia resided in the neighboring subdivision. Hadn't what is that? What is a neighboring subdivision? These are all nice neighborhood problems. That's what I'm stumbling on. Jesus Christ. Mia resided in the neighboring subdivision. What What does that mean? I'm going to look that up for all of you, uh, you urban listeners, which <laughs> can't just be me. Look up neighboring subdivision. Okay. Okay, and basically what it means is a parallel cul-de-sac or a, another section of tract housing in the suburbs. All right, neighboring subdivision, let's take it away. <laughs> and had invited me to hang out with herself and her brother, because nothing says friend zone like, come take my brother and I to the movies. Since I had only been acquainted with Mia for a short while, my social anxiety... Ugh urged me to forward the invitation along to another friend and frequent companion of mine, Robert. What the fuck? <sighs> Mia had no trouble with this, and Robert seldom if ever required advance notice for casual misadventures, allowing for his presence to be a guarantee well before asking him. You sound like a shitty friend. Mia had conditions of her own, insisting that I call her to meet us as soon as we arrived at the transit station in her area. I had been to Mia's house once on an evening not long before where I shared a politely tense dinner interrogation with her parents. It was fairly straightforward from where the bus would let us off, and the gesture never registered as anything more than a courtesy, and so I agreed unquestioningly, just feeling fortunate for the company. Okay, sounds like she's sneaking out. Robert had am amassed a small cache of explosives that he had been looking forward to set off at an appropriate time. Ah, same, dude. Same. I found a place in the desert, maybe, maybe I shouldn't tell that story, that's a story for a private, I think. 
Since that time never arose, I let him know that tonight was the night. As I waited on him at the back porch by his bedroom, he muttered at he muttered at protest, then immediately relented and snatched indiscriminately from his stockpile of explosives underneath the bed. That's safe. In 20 minutes, a city bus took us through the familiar haunts, eventually crossing over the bus trap that existed as an informal boundary between the two communities on the northwest of town. It was a tightly constructed underpass accessible only to public transit and compact commercial trucks with a walkway protected by concrete dividers for bikes and all that shit. The central... Wait, okay, wait a minute. So it wasn't protected. It wasn't only accessible to public transit. It was accessible. If you have concrete dividers for bikes and pedestrian foot traffic, you fucking idiot, that's a public street. The central feature and origin of its name is a square pit with a loose arrangement of steel bars meant to ensnare intruding vehicles that didn't meet specific requirements to enter. What? This was before the dawn of the sports utility vehicle and uh, vehicles that would render them obsolete and an automated gate was installed to continue justifying its function. What the fuck? Now a bit of an anomaly in its current environment, it still served its purpose and was akin to unguarded, uh, an unguarded border checkpoint? What the fuck are you talking about? What would be the point of having a border checkpoint? Oh, wait. <laughs> I'm not getting into politics on this show. I hadn't anticipated going out that night, so when we made it to the station close to 11, I was consciously conserving my limited cell life to let Mia know of our arrival. The low battery icon flashed after the call, an indication that there was plenty enough left over to punish myself with the prospect of reconciliatory messaging from my ex that would appear through the virtue of wishful thinking. As Robert and I warbled through a catalog of 80s tunes at vacillating pitches, a beat behind tempo, a black SUV with tinted windows blew past us into the parking area next to the bus station. Its tires whirred, there's that word again, banshee-like against the asphalt as it weaved erratically, the unseen driver beating out a rallying cry on the horn before tearing off towards the same inner ring suburb that we were destined for ourselves. <laughs> it's your ex-girlfriend, she's screaming, swiggity-swooty, I'm coming for the booty, she's about to meet her new boyfriend, you punk-ass bitch. Mia and her brother arrived not long after, and we set our sights on a nearby schoolyard to cause a racket with some consumer-grade explosives. That's a good call, guys. If you ever have any explosives that are just, you know, producing nitroglycerin under your bed, blow them up at a school. Don't do that. In a fleeting spectacle, the twin Roman candles and, majority of, and the majority of the bottle rockets had been expended with all but a few duds in the array fulfilling... What? With all but a few duds in the array fulfilling their advertised purpose of attracting attention. Another roving SUV came streaking down the road closest to the schoolyard within minutes. A collection of balloons tethered to the interior of the vehicle through a gap in the rear window battled the wind's thrust before the vehicle came to a jarring halt. Mia abruptly directed us to wait there where we were and jogged off in the direction of the idling SUV. We witnessed a figure hop out of the passenger seat to approach her. Though they were out of earshot, I felt a deep ease of relief as she received the greeting with the uh, warmth. <laughs> there was a rapport and friendliness not commonly associated with foreboding strangers that you meet after dark. Mia was the type of person that you couldn't help but like, though. She was bright, amiable, talented, chesty, and never did much to offend anybody. She treated everybody with equal respect 
and her resulting popularity eclipsed the alleged social strata of senior high. What is, what is, what is senior high? Oh my god, is this a Canadian thing? I, on the other hand, was far more familiar with certain classroom archetypes than I ever would have liked to have been. The Cochises? What is a Cochise? The bullies, the bad seeds, many of whom converged on a fixed point of our hometown's map, the apparent center of which was our former district school. In spite of its academic reputation, its student body had attained some degree of notoriety from the high rate of juvenile criminal offenders. I was reasonably confident at this age that the flaring tempers between the respective cliques would simmer off after graduation. But there would always be those select few that would make illicit behavior and more premeditated acts of physical violence a lifestyle choice. I was, and still am to this day, a tiny man at 30 years old, never rising above 5 foot 4. Oof. And what you might conceive of as an easy target. <laughs> Inconceivable. I would conceive of you as an easy target if I were a jerk. I'm a foot taller than you. Ha. <sighs> But I would never do something like that because I'm not an asshole. The reputation I held in my own halls was one of the... What? You are a terrible author, sir. One of a mischievous but good-natured slacker who could take a punch but couldn't throw one. So, mm, you know what you are. And I relied on the more... The more beneficial trait to compensate for my deficit of muscle mass when diffusing tense situations with somebody outside of my chosen circle of oddballs. Didn't have to be a foolproof rate of success... But it allowed me to skate by relatively unscathed for most of my scholastic career, in quotation marks. Yeah, that's accurate with your speaking ability. Mia and the stranger exchanged a quick embrace before their parting of the ways. I watched the SUV as it pulled a hasty U-turn, careening past a stop sign off to startle unwary pedestrians with its engine elsewhere away from us. Alright man, how quiet is your fucking town that you get startled by a car engine? I got startled by a car engine. I can't remember the last time I was scared by a car engine. Unprompted but desired nonetheless, we were provided with some critical context that was about to color the remainder of the night as soon as she reconvened with our group. That was a friend of mine from St. Francis. Oh, that's funny. That's uh, that's questionably similar to the name of my high school. <laughs> that is the name of my high school. Figure out where I live. Don't, please. Please don't figure out where I live. They're out celebrating his buddy's 18th birthday by driving around and beating the shit out of people walking by them. <laughs> that might actually be my graduating class. He and I are about the same age. I wonder if this was me. <laughs> Kidding. You're fine with me here, but I think we should probably head inside now. In the moments that followed, I took notice of how the lights emanating from the surrounding homes in the area had grown increasingly scarce. As it tends to happen at night, dude. The parceled rations of security that had been represented winking out of existence along with them. Fine by me. I'd rather not be elected the guest sacrifice in some kid's twisted adulthood initiation rites as he proves his machismo to his buddies while they trade turns packing my face in. Yeah, let's celebrate my 18th birthday by going to adult prison. <clears throat> when we got to Mia's house shortly thereafter without any incident, the mood had grown contemplative, contemplatively quiet as we settled in, having a lighthearted evening of adolescent memory-making spoiled by douchebags. Yeah, nothing says lighthearted evening of adolescent memory-making like, 
like setting off explosives in a fucking grade school. Ugh. Everyone was worn out, so we agreed to toss on a film, pass around the old meth pipe, and uh, not even 20 minutes had passed in the runtime before Mia's father appeared at the living room threshold. Mia, it's getting late. Tell your douchebag friends to take a hike, or am I going to have to spank you for being a naughty girl again? Uh. There's been a lot of speculation whenever I've recounted the story over the years to whoever was primarily at fault for the avoidable events that transpired afterwards, though I've heard out accusations that I've been that I've been overly forgiving. I remain in, the, in I remain of the mind that everyone was honestly intended. Mia had spoken in our favor, citing the potentially dangerous circumstances that awaited us outside. Her father met these claims with a liberal dose of parental skepticism, while Robert and I advocated for our own well-being by sitting in abject silence at the scene unfolding. Despite the mild to moderate unrest from earlier, the sedating calm of lounging indoors on a sofa had a minimizing effects on the risks involved. I mean, taking into consideration how many dozens of street the community was comprised of, if we moved quickly and took precautions, what was the likelihood that these goons would ever catch a second glimpse of us? We dismissed it all as an exaggeration. She had made her best effort to explain our situation and dissuade her father from booting us to the curb. But as an honor student with, a devoutly, with devoutly invested parents, the rules of the household were set in stone. Bed by twelve and no sanctuary for teenage boys overnight. There was no argument to convince him otherwise. Yeah, you're fucking lucky you were there till midnight, fuckhead. If I had a daughter... <laughs> I'm sure she probably would be a terrible person, but <laughs> not in my house. As we were standing on Mia's front porch, she belatedly informed us that there was not one or two, but a total of four SUVs out on patrol. After offering us her profuse apologies and well wishes, we reassured her that we would be okay. She then latched the door behind us so we could see the re so we could set to recalculating our odds. My cell battery had long ago drained. Having waited for the text, like a lovelorn sap that I was, my phone died. Robert, on the other hand, had never even bothered to carry a cell phone with him as he communicated with everybody he knew almost exclusively over AIM. That was... Oh, man. <laughs> um, AOL Instant Messenger? I don't remember what the A stands for, but Instant Messenger. It was a thing. It was like texting that you had to do from your computer, and uh, sometimes people sent you pictures of their boobies on it. Much like texting. Ill-prepared for the occasion, it looked as if we were resigned to traveling by foot. We paced a cul-de-sac, considering which routes would keep us safe from staying off the main streets and the arterial roads. The most sensible was also the longest, with the bus trap being a clean getaway from the birthday boy and his pals. We were also fortunate to have gone through the school in the area, and we knew many of the tucked-away corridors and shortcuts where ample tree canopies would be able to conceal us in shadow. We could stay virtually hidden for 80% of the journey if we used our wits. It's worth reiterating here that we were remedial teenagers for whom flexing poor judgment skills was a respected tradition. And let me just say, I'm not... Oh my God. Why would you go to a desolate... A street that's quiet with less foot traffic if you're trying to avoid a public beatdown? You stay on the main drags, the well-lit areas, and you start fucking screaming if somebody pulls over. There's somebody that's going to hear it if there's a bunch of houses on either side, but if you're on a fucking horse trail going between these houses, yeah, you're fucked. That's how uh, typical good-timing birthday beatdowns turn into, uh, we're not ever going to talk about this murders by baseball bat and shit. Like, come on, man. 
Use your head. I thought you were supposed to be smart. We were also aware that the transit station would be shuttering relatively soon, while the train wouldn't be of any use to us since the particular station was the final terminal on the line. There was a sliver of a chance the buses might still be active. At midnight? I doubt it. It was only a short walk back the way we'd come through a park overlooking the entrance. From there, we'd be completely exposed with nothing but looming storefronts and a large barren parking lot, illuminated by what might as well have been the halogen floodlights that they shine on escaped prisoners as they rush across town, or as they rush across prison yards towards freedom. You are naive. First of all, it's a spotlight from a tower, and you're not running anywhere across a yard to freedom unless you can scale a 35-foot fence, you fucking mouth breather. We chose the hazards. We chose to hazard our bet since it was practically on our way to the bus trap. Anyway. My God, what a dirge this is. Taking inventory of what could prove useful to us, I wasn't at all surprised to find my pockets empty, save for a wallet and dead cell phone. Yeah, no shit. You're sober and you filled your pockets with shit, you stupid motherfucker. Robert held a Zippo lighter in his possession as well as a single remaining bottle rocket. Needled by a desire to feel resourceful, I scanned our surroundings before spotting a remodeled home with an industrial disposal bin out in front of the street. I leapt inside and reemerged with a wooden plank fanged with crooked finishing nails that I hefted in my hand like Charles Bronson. This failed to impose any profound dread, but I did win a derisive laugh from Robert. He gestured to me with his bottle rocket, expressing his desire to fire it in somebody's face should they try and come near us. It's actually not a bad idea. Probably a better chance of success than fucking five foot four Mr. Frodo with his with his one by four, <laughs> with his with his piece of poplar and framing nails. Now heavily armed and in much higher spirits, we skulked along the interposing footpaths between neighborhoods, which in hindsight did little to help us steady our nerves. Our courage, however, faltered at an intersection where a lone dusky street lamp stood sentinel by a vestibule of low-slung branches so compact it was as if somebody draped a shroud across the moon. Lifelong urbanites get to relish in the light pollution that paints our skyline, mistaken in the belief that even proper darkness has translucent quality. And then here was this one stretch of pavement so innocuous by day, restyled after sunset as a disorienting tunnel with a stark density of exhaust fumes. We crept in a maximum of 25 to 30 feet ahead before paralysis struck. The night's deserted ambiance punctuated by the remote echoes of shouting and squealing tires and then the sudden acceleration of a vehicle. Only able to locate each one by our voices suspended in limbo, we agonized in whispers as to how we should proceed. Do we find an alternate detour or stick it out, listening for any further suggestion of movement on the other side of the emptiness? Beset with paranoia, the eerie silence uh, returned with a potent incentive to turn around. We briefly contemplated camping out for the remainder of the night before opting to double back. We subsequently found our way through the park exit to the main thoroughfare. There was little in the way of traffic at night, so if one of the SUVs were to materialize, we would see them plainly and they would see us. We strained our, we strained our hearing for any trace of obnoxious motor revving before bolting across the road past the parking lot to the transit bays. We hurriedly checked the posted bus times, but each had made their final loop hours ago. The station clock, revealing what our hesitation had cost us. Diminished in resolve, we aimed to take shelter in the train terminal, which was typically left unlocked after hours. 
If we were to be granted any such small mercy, the universe wasn't ready to let, let us cash in yet, and the lock station door rattled in its frames and refused to budge. So kick those fuckers down, man. Oh, wait. Five foot four. <sighs> Sorry, Mr. Frodo, it's just not your fight. Our choice determined for us. We moved on to the bus trap. Every distant noise provided a reason to flinch, never certain if it was a thrill-seeking motorist out for a joyride or the assailants that were preoccupying our thoughts. There was a strong possibility that somebody had called the police on them or they'd driven off to avoid detection. In a cosmically just world, they'd have already been under arrest without their fatefully appointed rendezvous with a sorry individual who had the audacity, audacity to pick that night of all nights to take an early autumn breeze stroll. Maybe they had even grown bored with their party plans together. We started to let our guards slip as we neared our old junior high school, believing that the worst-case scenario we were on alert for was already behind us. I was still carrying around a cumbersome piece of wood, like a full-fledged jackass. It was a welcome lull, but the effects of the fatigue began to wear on me as the initial surge of adrenaline tapered off. Another network of loosely interconnected passages awaited us at the far end of the school. Backyard fences exhibiting the scribbled handiwork of amateur graffiti artists beckoned our entry. Our off-property lunch breaks had taken us that way years beforehand, so we knew for a fact it was. It had intermittent street lamps every 60 feet or so. Whether they were operational was a different matter, though. As it turns out, this was a low-priority matter for the community, and to my knowledge, they still haven't been replaced, and it's nearly a decade later. Motion-sensitive porch lights would flood our field of vision at blinding intervals. Robert, all the while sparking his Zippo out of fitful habit to disclose his growing impatience with our inching progress. Twigs snapping beneath the paws of nocturnal animals out on a midnight forage aroused silhouetted figures from my overworked imagination. Ones that reached out with invisible hands to seize their quarry and pummel us bloody. Finally, a steady source of light appeared ahead and we came out of the street came out onto the street with that holiest of landmarks now within sprinting distance, though neither of us was feeling athletically inclined. Cutting through an elementary school, our humor gradually returned to us, having turned a leisurely stroll into some clumsy trial of stealth. Compared to the winding trip we had taken to get here, full of retraced steps, dead-end deviations, and hesitant plodding through neglected footpaths, this last leg had been lit up like a runway welcoming us home. We slid back into our ordinary banter with safety on the horizon while I openly considered how long I would hold on to my improvised bludgeon before discarding it in some baffling manner and that a homeowner would try in vain to puzzle it together at sunrise. I think it's not that, that complicated. <laughs> As I took listless slings with the plank in my forward gate, a black SUV came peeling out from around the corner on the left-hand side of the bus trap. The balloons hung from the rear view or from the rear window and they flailed backwards from the velocity as the engine roared. Had they been waiting around there for somebody this entire fucking time? It didn't really matter at this stage. There's no way they hadn't seen us. Ugh! Finally. I cursed repeatedly as we dashed half a block in retreat, turning off onto the street adjacent to the elementary school. We both had to think fast as their rapid advance only left us with a rough 15-second lead, even as the posted speed limit sign had no intention of giving us any advantages. The front yards melded together, lacking any distinction between property lines, leaving us nowhere to crouch and hide. We could hear the vehicle gaining ground on us, nearing the bend. Our head start had all but evaporated, and I raised my panicked finger toward the only space 
that could pass for cover, a partial strip of flimsy side yard fencing. No accompanying front fence, no perimeter hedges, nothing. Ashamedly, I entered the impulse of launching myself over the fence, knowing full well it would leave Robert behind. Thinking better of it, I sprawled myself onto the grass, hugging close to the fence with Robert following suit. Long like boards and stiff like corpses, our respective implements at the ready, looking all the more laughably desperate than ever before. A massive pine tree was all that would shield us from an imminent beatdown now. The SUV lost speed as it made the turn. The headlights shine, intensifying as they drew nearer. We may have unwittingly brought ourselves the element of surprise without a clue as to how to properly exploit it. You kicked them in the dicks, man! Robert uncapped the Zippo and nestled it close to the fuse, his thumb on the flint wheel. I attempted to press myself further into the ground, but the hard earth wouldn't give way. They came to a full stop, parked at the edge of the property right fucking next to us. The sleek chrome grill peered at us from beyond the fence line. The doors opened, gravel crunched as the birthday mob murmured indiscernibly and began pacing as they searched for us. I tried to gather a sense of disparity in numbers by tracking their footfall. My ear was not up to the task. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. But it was enough to know that the ratio was firmly set against us and we'd be surrounded if we decided to flee. I had seldom, if ever, swung a fist at anybody, almost always too busy with the illusion of composure to defend myself at the risk of looking foolish for it. God, Jesus, how could you live like this? At least then, being a first-name basis with my rogues gallery of aloof tormentors was humanizing enough that a scuffle wouldn't escalate to ensure anything but my pride. These people were strangers. They weren't They weren't aware of the bullshit persona that I affected, my ragdoll antics where I would swallow pain with a wry smirk. They didn't know I pretended to treat it like a game. All they wanted was to hurt us, so this was it. This was where I'd be forced to shed the layer of protective cowardice and earn my own fucking respect. Alright, I hear you. It's gotta happen at some point. I gripped the plank tightly, tiny splinters burrowing into my palm as I caught the sound of my thrumming heart rate. This helped summon 125... Oh my god. Poor bastard. Of buried aggression from years worth of play-acting my way through confrontation to outmatch a fear of losing a fight. My free hand fumbled on the nails as I pried them upright, praying that Robert's firework would generate a sufficient amount of confusion so that I would get in a few good cracks during the ambush before they'd have us back on the ground ready for an ambulance ride. Even if I was only going to get in one strike, I was going to make sure it fucking hurt. Mmm, alright, now you're talking. But then everything fell into a drawn-out stillness with only the galvanic hum of the nearest street lamp to add its supporting harmony. An uncharacteristic peace overtook my focused reveries of metting out a solitary blow of disfiguring bloodshed when I heard a frustrated, lowly voice utter the phrase, Fuck it. Slamming doors followed in the wake of the statement, and the SUV sprung to life, the wheels skidding as they pulled out and sped off. Just like that, they were gone. The rigor of our body softened as we collapsed in place. Not yet ready to sit up for fear that they might this might be a tactic. The longer we stayed, the clearer it became that we had been gifted the uh, we had been gifted the Deus ex machina that we had spent the night waiting for. When we had regained our bearings and we were ready to push ourselves up, we drifted along the side streets to relative quiet. We never wandered away from the center of the road, and I haven't come up with a satisfying satisfying explanation as to what kept us from skulking the remainder of the way back to the bus trap. It just didn't seem necessary anymore. 
I suppose you can chalk it up to a symptom of trauma's insulating afterglow, though it, if you were to ask us at the time, we were never able to process the shock and admit such a thing. It would live on as another treasured anecdote until the day that we could afford to tell psychologists otherwise. We had almost forgotten to acknowledge the fact that we made it from within our collective fugue state. We glanced back down the road looking for some significance to the whole ordeal because it felt like the type of thing a person ought to do. But if there was any poignant denouncement waiting for us at the end, it wasn't readily apparent from the other side of the underpass. If I had to shoehorn in a takeaway, it's that despite my aversion to conflict and the many previous assumptions about my yellow instincts, if miserable happenstance finds me backed into a corner to get corner again, I might just be able to stand my ground. I just sure as hell hope there's some discarded timber nearby when the time comes. Man, that was a fucking slog. Yeah, I hope we don't ever meet. Fuck, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Break time. Windsor Real Estate for super prestige, top value, investment grade, lifestyle defining, timeless class but effortlessly informal. Live your life like it's out of a catalog. In an environmentally precarious area, biodiversity, seismic turbulence, and scarce resources, nothing makes more sense than building a French chateau with a 25-acre lawn in the desert. Fabulous views. Look down on people. Live the American dream. Residing in a mansion waited on by immigrants who hate you. Windsor Real Estate. Real estate at the highest price imaginable. It's who you are. Now see, when I, th when I saw the title for that one, The Birthday Mafia, I was really hoping it was going to be like, You come to me on my daughter's wedding. It's a terrible fucking Marlon Brando impression, but God, I was really hoping it would be like... Something. <laughs> like Sammy the Bull jumps out of a car and he's like, Hey, what's up? I'm sure that's not how he talks, but fuck. Anyway, there you go. Uh, weird guy found out where I lived. That's always scary. At the time of this happening, I used to live in a block of flats, and the mailboxes were outside with each flat number on it. See, I removed mine. <laughs> they would put it back on, and I would take it off. Nobody find it you would have to walk under the archway to see the mailboxes, and even then there was a CCTV outside the flats. Wow, fancy. Must be nice. On this particular day, I had just walked through my local park to the shop to my local park to the shop to get myself some food. This was just before the pandemic got serious. So at the beginning of March 2020, a guy approached me with a rather large dog and said, Hey. Now I have social anxiety. What is it with you fuckers and having social anxiety? Just just say hi. Yeah, I know that's not how it works, but eat my ass. It's like telling depressed people to be happy. It works. Superficially. <laughs> I knew a guy from when I was maybe 18 who claimed to get socially anxious. He never said he had social anxiety. He said that he got nervous around people. He's a Vietnam veteran. I get it. I don't get it because I wasn't in Vietnam, but I understand how he could become nervous in crowds of people when they're standing behind him. Anyway, I digress. Uh, now I have, yeah, you, you have a social whatever and come off as rude, but try and be polite. I said hello to him and tried to carry on walking. His large dog jumped in front of me. It was a corgi. Huge. I didn't mind because I like dogs, so I asked the man if I could stroke his wiener, and he said yes. 
A wiener dog is a type of dog. Perverts. <laughs> he then proceeded to ask me why I wasn't scared of his dog. I asked him why should I be, and he said because he was an American pit bull. I don't know any pit bull owners that, that preface their dog ownership with an American pit bull. Oh, oh, okay, I'm... Mm, cheerio. I'm not sure if they're still illegal in the UK where I live, but I just shrugged and said that it was how the owner raised the dog and not necessarily the breed itself, which I would be inclined to agree with you, you socially anxious young lady. I told him I should be going now, nodded politely and walked off. I came to the top of my road and stopped to rearrange my nutsack. Oops, my uh, rucksack. My mistake. Whose mind's in the gutter now? I noticed the guy was behind me with his dog. No biggie. He probably lived on this street or a neighboring one. Just as I walked off, he shouted at me that he knows where I lived and proceeded to tell me which number I lived at. What time I usually got home, or what time I usually got to my post and what time I typically went out for a smoke. I carried on walking, ignoring him. I went into the block of flats and proceeded to tell the staff members what happened. The cameras can only see a certain distance across the street, so it's possible he could have just stood there, out of reach of the cameras, watching. What I thought was weird, though, was that I didn't recognize the guy, I had never spoken to him in my life, and I was curious as to how he knew where I lived. He must have lived relatively close to me, who knows. Creepy dude with the cute dog, let's not meet again. He was probably your postal worker. <laughs> didn't even think about that, or he worked for MI6. <sighs> So is that, like, people's claim to fame that have dogs that are uh, stigmatized, let's say, in the UK? Oi, bitch. It's an American fucking pit bull. I'm off my accent game. I don't give a shit. That's what they sound like today. <laughs> uh, uh. Funny story about MI6. But that's uh, probably another story best kept private. When my cyberstalker found me. Next story. Six years ago, when I was a new mom learning to balance my job, family, and health, my social life primarily existed on the internet at this time. <laughs> Pornhub. <laughs> uh, Pornhub. Pornhub, what is the fucking Pornhub local or Pornhub fucking community? I don't remember what it's called. I never used it, but I used Tinder back in the day. And Facebook and Instagram were the main ways I kept in contact with others. Yeah, sure, that, and what is, what's the other one? Oh, it's not kink.com. I'm sure that it is, but seeking arrangement? Oh, I'm trying to think of the one that everyone has a problem with. Well, Craigslist Personals is a good one. Anyway, you guys know how to fucking find what I'm talking about. <laughs> I received a, a friend request from Stefan, an old friend from high school. I accepted and everything was normal for a while. After a couple of months, Stefan sent a DM asking how I was. The conversation was fine, but it didn't take too long for me to realize that this wasn't the Stefan I knew. They had the first... They had the same first and common last name. His profile picture was not exactly a picture of himself, so I never realized this was a different person. Where's your due diligence, woman? Who's looking out for OPSEC? Not you. Either way, he had several mutual friends, and he didn't do anything especially creepy, so I left him on my friends list because I was a lonely bitch. <clears throat> he would occasionally message and chat, and he just seemed to like... He just seemed like somebody that was a bit socially awkward, but harmless nonetheless. I would respond, but kept the conversations brief. <sighs> One day I got a text from him, which surprised me because I never gave him my number. It's on the internet, you dumb bitch. 
I asked how he got my number, and he said from my website, which was fair. I'm an artist and had email and phone contact info listed on my website, but how did you get it? He began texting several times a day and would give short responses, followed with something like, oh, I would give short responses, but you responded, followed with something like, at work, talk to you later, dinner with family, have a good evening, blah blah Cheating on my husband, (laughs) T-T-Y-S. He started talking about his new boyfriend. Oh, okay, that's progressive. Saying that he was one of the few gay conservatives and that there are a lot of gay conservatives, motherfucker, and that things were going well. I told him I'm glad he has a partner that aligns with him and wished him well. Good for you. He then began talking a lot about conservative politics and was very aggressive about it. And I told him that I was a liberal, so it would be best that we didn't have these conversations or I'd freak out. I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about politics. His message began turning sexual, where he would ask if I wanted to hear about the sex parties that him and his boyfriend threw. I told him no. You sound like a bad liberal. I didn't really know him, and it was inappropriate. Okay, fine. One day I was busy with work and returned to my phone to see dozens of messages from him, angry that I wasn't responding, and he went on and on sharing about very graphic sexual stuff. I responded and told him that I had been polite to him because he seemed like he didn't have many friends, but this was too much and that I was blocking him. I told him that I didn't believe he was gay and he was just saying it in an attempt to make me think he's harmless. I proceeded to block him on social media, blocked his phone number, and a couple days later I started getting a lot of friend requests from accounts I didn't have mutual friends with. I knew they were probably fake pages that he was creating. I would block them and move on. Then I began getting phone calls and texts from fake phone numbers. That's what you get for putting your phone number on the fucking internet. Same thing. Shouldn't say that's what you get, but you should... You're a mother. You should exercise some sort of caution when listing your address and phone number on a public fucking forum on the information superhighway. For fuck's sake. X Keyscore is a fucking open source app now. (sighs) I digress. Same thing, I would block them and move on. I messaged our mutuals to ask what they knew about him, and none of them knew him. He had just requested them, and they accepted. He began sending requests to my family, friends, other women in my dance troupe, and I let everybody know they needed to block him. So you're that guy sending out fucking spam Facebook messages like, just so you guys know, my friend Steven, whatever the fuck, uh, is not really my friend. He might say otherwise. (sighs) For months, not a day passed, that I did not get a weird call or friend request or DM. It would range from normal how are you to vague threats of, I could make you talk to me if I wanted to, bitch. He lived several hours away. Allegedly, so I wasn't particularly concerned. Things got quieter until one evening my notifications started going off like crazy. My phone was ringing with unknown numbers. It was on my art page. Probably 15 different accounts had posted porn on my page or things like OP is a whore or OP is the thief. (laughs) I knew it was him because he also accidentally posted from his real account. I didn't realize that I never blocked him from that page because I'm really smart. He also sent a message to my art page saying sorry for all of that, and that he missed his friend and he was just trying to get my attention. I didn't respond. I blocked him and called the police. Since stalking and harassment laws are awful, I agree. They didn't do shit, because you can't really do anything until they murder you. Last night, I woke up at 2 a.m. for no reason other than I was having trouble sleeping. I was up for a while, dicking around on my phone, when I started hearing a strange sound coming from the living room. It sounded like, oh yeah, It was back and forth between quiet cracking and scratching. 
At the time, we lived in a large ranch house, and the living room was at the other end of a long hall. I got up, thinking that my cats were into something, or maybe after a mouse, and I flipped on the living room light, and the sound stopped. I looked around for my cats and noticed an open window. Our windows were large, from floor to ceiling. That is a huge security risk, and open by pulling them down from the top. That's good. Just just invite everybody in, why don't you? Why don't you just leave the doors unlocked? The top of the windowsill had pry marks, and the lock was broken. Thankfully, the house was old, and the windows did not open easily. And he had only been able to open it about eight inches. <laughs> Just enough for him to stick his dick in it. I woke up, my husband, got my son out of his room, and called the police. I knew it was Stefan. It was too big a coincidence that he blew up that day, and then somebody tries to break in my house in the middle of the night. We couldn't prove it was him. There was no evidence other than what happened that day that pointed to him alone. The police spoke to him, and I believe it scared him enough to leave me alone. What about fingerprints? I was obviously horrified at the time and began looking up anything I could do. I began looking up anything I could to find out about him. I wound up finding his YouTube channel which solidified my fears even more. He posted Rush Limbaugh-style rants when he got angry, which made him angry, and he got angrier and angrier until he was red-faced and nearly spitting. Sounds like, is this Alex Jones? He frequently talked to me about violence and would show off his gun collection. (laughs) Those are two separate things, man. Unless he was using the guns to commit violence, you need to separate those two. Politics. This led me to finding his real last name. I googled his name and found that he had been arrested two years prior for holding a woman against her will in a hotel and attempted to assault her. Thankfully, she was able to escape with only a bloody lip. We moved not long later. I wanted neighbors and off the farm. I removed my phone number from my site and locked down all my social media. There we go. I still sleep with a baby monitor in my son's room because I'm scared of somebody coming in at night. His YouTube channel was shut down a bit after and I haven't heard from him since. So, Stephen, I hope you wound up in jail, but if you didn't, let's not meet. Interesting. Interesting. What a douche, but what the fuck? You are an American, so default with pride. We will show you how. We'll help you solve your problem with the bank once and for all in a truly grand fashion. Mortgages should be illegal. They are certainly immoral. You are actually expected to pay more than a house is worth. You were probably tricked by lawmakers and clever salesmen who gave you money and expected you to pay it back to them slowly over time. Well, now you don't have to. If they were foolish enough to loan money to a guy like you, they deserve to suffer. Do you know how many homes meet a tragic end due to electrical malfunctions, improper storage of petroleum, mudslides, and other disasters? Well, let's just put it like this. There's about to be one more. Visit stoppayingyourmortgage.net. So I discovered, upon trying to record this, that I had to go back and preface this with, this one is clearly written by somebody that does not speak English as their first language, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I wanted to set the mood accordingly with some mood music so that you might put it into context and not just question my narration ability, if you will. So we're going to go ahead and get started with a score that might help set the mood. In 2020, in 2010, I was 12 years old. My youngest brother played baseballs. I would attend the summer tournaments to play with friends on nearby playground or in wood. My moms worked in concession stands and my dad was a coach. One day during tournament games, I wandered into the woods farther than I had before. 
This wasn't a big vast forest, it was in the middle of a suburb. Although as a kid it seemed massive. I found a tree house. I was too scared to explore it alone, so I went back later with my friend. We climbed into the treehouse. It was everything a kid could have wanted. After a while, we got bored and we left. But as we were leaving, I felt like we were being peeped upon. We started walking away from the treehouse and two men burst from the bush. We are a small trio of 12-year-old. We start running and screaming. I try not to look back, but when I did, I saw something in their hands. I kept running. My friend who wore girls' flip-flops tripped and fell, and we all stopped running and looked back. We were so close to the field, but still hidden by vegetation and tall grasses. We were unseen by adults seated on the bleachers. They caught up to us so fast. We were screaming and crying. They had hatchets. But all they said was, we just really didn't want you to go into our dear blind. They looked this sheepish and nervous, realizing how close people were nearby. They took off. We all told our dad sobbing. They ran into the woods with baseball bats they steal from children, combing the forest, not finding anything they accused us of lying. Now that I am adult, I realize that it was not a deer blind, it was a treehouse put up in the woods so that children would go inside, and I ask myself, what could have happened to me if I had the courage to go into the treehouse alone? I did not mention this in the story, but I think it is important we were a group of very small, vulnerable boys. Danger is everywhere for young boys. All right, squad, on that note, I'm going to leave you. Thank you very much for tuning back in to another wonderful and exciting episode of the Anthology of Horror. I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you very much. And now for consistency's sake, let's take a look at some statistics. All right, the Alexander Hamilton Revisionist History. In the top, the, it was most popular in the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, Germany, Norway, India, Philippines, and Sudan. And the top cities are as follows. Columbus, Ohio, Hogue, Ohio, Atlanta, Georgia, Chicago, Illinois, Raleigh, North Carolina, Carsey, North Carolina, my mistake, Cary, North Carolina, Dallas, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, Los Angeles, California, and Denver, Colorado. Thank you guys very much for continuing to make this show fun. If you'd like to donate to the show, you can do so on Patreon.com. I believe it's Patreon.com slash Anthology of Horror. It would be much appreciated. But if not, I understand times are tough. Thank you all for tuning in. If you'd like to reach me, you can do so by going to Instagram.com slash DukeLandis17. That is Instagram.com slash Duke, D-U-K-E, Landis, L-A-N-D-I-S, 1-7. All right, guys, until next time, stay spooky. (laughs) 